I know you guys didn't come to a comedy show. You come to be ministered to, but I just want to tell a joke. I just, I got to do this. It's funny. It better be funny. I think it's funny. Okay. Yeah, now that I set it up, you guys, like, I'll even take courtesy laughs. Okay, so what did the wise men say to Mary and Joseph when they presented their gifts of gold and frankincense? You don't know? They said, but wait, there's myrrh. Okay? Courtesy applause. All right, fine. That's fine. I'll take it. Whatever I can get. Now, here's the thing. Half the people are going to be like, that was stupid. And then you're going to tell it tomorrow at work, right? Or later on today. So don't give me, those, don't give me that. If you're going to use it, then, you know, give me some credit. All right. <laughs> hey, so last week, last week, by the way, if this is your first time, we're so glad to have you here. We welcome you not only just as a visitor. You're not visiting anybody. You're our guest. You're part of the family. You're our friends. We love to have you here. And we actually have a free gift for you at the end of service and if you'll, as you're walking out, turn to the left, we have a place there for you to be able to uh, get that free gift. So I hope that you'll be part of that too and don't leave here empty-handed. We don't want you to leave empty-handed, okay? We want you to know that you're warmly welcomed and loved. We're glad to have you. But last week, we started a series on um, the icons of Christmas. And uh, if you notice up here, we have three of probably the more popular icons. If you're wondering what in the world, if you're here for the first time here today and you weren't here last week, you're thinking, why do we have Rudolph, Santa, and the Grinch, along with Max here, who's kind of sideways. What happened to Max? Max is not doing too good. All right, well, there's Max right there. We, looked about, we, we learned about the Grinch last week, and you can watch the, uh, the, the service on, online and, and, and learn a little bit more about that. But just to give you a real quick flyover there, we learned about the Grinch last week, and, and we learned about how the Grinch had some blind spots. He was kind of a grumpy little grumps, grumpskin, wasn't he? And he didn't really like Christmas, and we really didn't understand why. And if you read the original Dr. Seuss version of it, uh, Dr. Seuss really kind of didn't give us a reason why the Grinch was so Grinchy. He just didn't like Christmas. And um, really what the Grinch ended up having, what we was able to apply to our lives, is that he had blind spots. We all have blind spots in our lives, and they manifest themselves in all sorts of different ways. We get grumpy and irritable, or maybe we get sad and depressed when Christmas time comes along and we just struggle just so just to get through the holidays. But many of us, in fact, so many of us came up last Sunday. It was such a, a blessing to see folks come up and we just imagine this banqueting table that God had spread before us here at the altar. And we were able to give permission for the Holy Spirit to not only to reveal to us those blind spots, but also to help us to be more joyful and in really embracing the grace of what Christmas is all about. And I, I really hope, by the way, that this helped you this past week to be able to uh, see Christmas differently, to, to not be so maybe so discouraged or depressed or grumpy or frustrated or impatient or whatever it is that Christmas rises up in you, but instead that you can... Uh, that you were able to see Christmas differently and maybe enjoy the season maybe a little bit better than in seasons past. Um, we all have a place, as I said last week, at the festive banqueting table, just like the Grinch was given the, the prime seat to cut the roast beast, and that the people of Whoville forgave him, and they gave him a prime spot at the banqueting table. It was undeserved, it was unearned, just like our place at the banqueting table one day when the Lord returns and we're all going to be as the church 
at this banqueting table. And he's going to roll out all of the finest food that we've never ever imagined they ever eaten. It's going to be delectable. It's going to be wonderful. It's all going to be fat free. It's going to be great. You know? And, 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 and we're going to be able to feast on the things that he's provided for us. But we didn't deserve it and we didn't earn it. But Jesus Christ, all because of his finished work on the cross of Calvary, we get it. We get that benefit for those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So that was last week. If you want to catch more of that, you can watch it online. I hope you will go on our website as well. But the next familiar symbol that I'd like for us to look at today is Rudolph. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. You can see how his nose is glowing. I love that. Not 100% there. It keeps going in and out. I guess he needs a new battery. I don't know. But anyway, Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. Now, Burl Ives, if you're very familiar with Christmas songs, was the gentleman who really kind of made uh, probably the most uh, obvious song uh, out there for Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It's been recorded by several people, but he made the song famous. And then also, if you're familiar with uh, that special, that, that animated special that they created on TV in 1964, uh, and really it's aired every year since then, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. In fact... If you'll dim the lights, I want to, uh, just for those of you who have no idea who Rudolph is, here's the song and watch the screen. So, you know, that tells the story of Rudolph. For those of you who have been living under a rock for the last 50 or 60 years, um, 
it's just a cute little story, and it's, that song just kind of just wraps it all up in about two minutes of his story. But like the Grinch from last week, this story of Rudolph resonates with many in our world today, and that's why I think it stood the test of time. We, we, I think we like to see marginalized good guys who seem to have little hope of winning at the beginning, and then they end up winning at the end, just like Rudolph did. Now, Rudolph was a peculiar reindeer. He was different than all the rest. He wasn't like all the rest of the reindeer because, as the song says, he had a shiny red nose. The others made fun of him because of it. But then, one foggy Christmas Eve, he was chosen by Santa to guide his sleigh successfully to deliver the toys to the children around the world. And we'll get to that next week, won't we, Santa? And as we see in the story, great success and celebration took place among all as Rudolph gave himself to the cause and the purposes of Christmas. But what do we as the Church of Jesus Christ have to do with the story of Rudolph? Well, I'm glad you asked because it's a lot. You know, the Bible says that we are a peculiar people. Peculiar, I put in parentheses because... As Rudolph was a peculiar reindeer with his shiny red nose, just as he was marginalized and set aside, and just as he was unappreciated and not really understood by the other reindeer because of it, the church has over the years, and it seems like more than ever, it's looked at by the world in the very same way. You notice that? We understand the word peculiar, as maybe strange or different or odd. I think we would probably define it as that. That would be our first go-to definition. But while this may be one way to define the word peculiar, it can also mean this. It can mean belonging exclusively to some person, group, or thing. I'll say it again. Belonging exclusively to some person, group, or thing. That's the definition one of the definitions in the dictionary of peculiar. In other words, it can mean this. It can mean a person set apart to a particular person for a particular purpose. You get that? So with that in mind, I want to read to you a scripture out of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, But you, church, you as an individual, all of us here today, you, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. In other words, God's own set-apart special people that you may declare the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Those who are being born again those who are in the process of being sanctified or have, have accepted Jesus into their heart and they're, and they're leaning in and they're embracing Christ. Those who are born again, they're different from the rest of this world. We are different. We are peculiar. We're unusual. We're set apart. We're different than the rest of the world because, because we're being transformed into the image of Jesus, you see. By the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God. We've moved from the darkness of this sin-sick world into God's holy and glorious light. 
This means that our walk is different, or at least it should be. This means that our talk is different, or at least it should be. This means that our, our goals and our, and our hopes and our aspirations must be different as that set-apart people. In all that we say, in all that we do, in all that we think, we're a reflection and a representation of Jesus Christ to the world. And that's truly and indeed different from the world's way of thinking and speaking and doing things. If we dare pursue being like Jesus, we'll truly be peculiar, we'll be odd and strange and different to the rest of the world because this dark world does not understand the light of Christ in us. Because the life of Christ in us causes us to live opposite of how the world lives. So one way we can tell if we're living like Jesus is this, and I want to ask you this question this morning. Are you experiencing in your life opposition? Look around you. Do you feel like that in your workplace, in your family, at your schools, in your neighborhood, in this community, when you hear of what's going on in the world today, and if you ever step up and speak out, do you feel like that you're being opposed? Are you headed in the same direction as the others in the world? Or are you going in a different direction? Are you embracing the same things that they're embracing? Are you agreeing with the same things that they're agreeing with? Are you signing on to the same things that they're signing on to? In other words, are you swimming with the current of the world? Are you swimming against it? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the Old Testament are three great examples of young men who swam against the current. They chose to not bow when everyone else around them bowed. They were opposed and their lives were threatened because of their stand for what they knew was right and their stand for God. But we know in this story that God rescued them from this fiery furnace, if you're familiar with the story. And not only rescued them, but also exalted them to places of leadership and influence because of their stand. It would have been a whole lot easier to just take a knee. But easy doesn't win the prize, does it? And easy doesn't make it into the victorious stories of God's kingdom ex exploits still being written in heaven today. I don't know about you, but... I'm not going to take a knee. I want to stand up and say as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And I want the, life, the story of my life to be added to the stories of the annals of heaven that are still being written today. How about you? You know, it's easy to jump on the bandwagon of immorality and compromise. And in fact, if you do, you'll be celebrated and exalted in this world today. But if you stand up for holiness, if you stand up for godliness, and if you stand up for righteousness, you will be scorned, you will be ostracized, you will be marginalized, you will be ridiculed, and you will be rejected. You'll be treated just like Rudolph with his shiny, bright red nose. It doesn't take courage to stand up for sin. But it does take courage to stand up for Jesus. So I encourage you, church, today, be courageous. Let me read to you some scriptures that will encourage you today. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in 
vain. Amen? Amen. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous, O church. Don't be afraid or terrified because of the world out there, because of opposition. For the Lord, your God, goes with you, and he will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen? Be courageous, church. Psalm 21, 27.1 says, The Lord is my light, and the Lord is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Take courage, church, and be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Ephesians 6.10 says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Let's not be afraid. Let's not be discouraged. Let's not shrink back. You and I are peculiar people. We're set apart people to God. For a unique purpose in Christ Jesus. And that is to shine the light of Jesus. And to declare the praises of him. Who has called you out of darkness. Into his wonderful light. Amen. Amen. So take courage. And stand up. And shine your light for Jesus Christ. Right Rudolph? Yeah. Now part of this story for Rudolph is this. If you notice in the story, there was one foggy Christmas Eve. It was dark. It was foggy. And just as it was very dark and, and foggy in that particular, on that particular Christmas Eve, before Santa's much anticipated appearance in Rudolph's story, we too also live in a dark and foggy time. Did you see how foggy it was this week? And boy, this whole week feels like it's been kind of dreary and dark and foggy. And there was a couple of days there where you could hardly see your hand in front of you. It's really something. It's hard to see. It's hard to see in front of you when there's so much fog. Is it? It's kind of dangerous to drive. The visibility is cut down to nearly zero. And I would say that morally today, I would I would pose that today morally that we've never lived in such a dark and foggy time. From economic turmoil to globalism, from devaluing human life to redefining marriage and trying to make genders fluid and even attacking our children's sexuality right now. The war on morality is hitting on all cylinders in every category as we quickly approach the return of Christ. And it's getting worse and worse by the day. Everything that God has created to be good, Satan is attempting to pervert and to redefine and to destroy. We're living in the last days before the return of Christ, church. Listen to me this morning. So let's not be surprised about all of this that's going on in the world today. Because the Bible is crystal clear that these things will happen in areas, in all areas, exponentially, just before Jesus comes again. It feels very dark and foggy out there indeed. I want to read to you out of scriptures a fairly long passage in Romans chapter 1 of a description of what happens when darkness enters into mankind. It says this starting in verse 18. And see if maybe we're not experiencing that today. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, 
God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. In other words, you can't deny, even from creation, that God exists. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave, th nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, therefore, because they did this, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator. Have you heard about the, last, the latest Ten Commandments, by the way, that are out there? They're the Ten Commandments of the world. They're the Ten Commandments of nature. And they went to where the original Ten Commandments were written. And they took these Ten Commandments of, of, of global warming or whatever you want to call it. And they actually broke them just like Moses did. And that became, they're, they're trying to push this over on the world today. They're, they're rejecting the rules and the laws of God. And they're embracing an entirely different thing. They're trying to replace God. This is because of this. God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. I just got to say, there's people in the New Testament, there's people that say that, 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 that there's nothing about homosexuality in the New Testament, that it's a sin. Right there. Right there is one of them. Homosexuality is a sin. God loves the homosexual, but he hates the sin. That's, this, is, this is what's happening when you let darkness come into your life, when you, when you reject God and you try to create your own religion. Furthermore, just, and so it's progressing here. Listen to this. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. And here it comes. They become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed and depravity they're full of envy murder strife deceit and malice they're gossips and slanders and god haters insolent arrogant boastful they invent ways of doing evil they disobey their parents they have no understanding they have no fidelity no love no mercy although they know god's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death they not only continue to do these very things, but also applaud and approve those who practice them. Are we there today, church? In spades, we're there. I know this is a very depressing list of evil, isn't it? And we can get really discouraged and think, wow, this is a dark and foggy time that we're living in. I want to point out one word in verse 21, though, that sets up the rest of this passage. And that is the word darkened they were darkened in their minds because they rejected god and embraced things in place of god you know people can deny that there's a god until they're blue in the face but our passage says this morning that they know deep down inside that there's a god it can't be denied from creation from just this 
spirit inside of us. We know that there's a God and we're trying to fill this God-shaped hole with something other than God. And if that's what you're doing today, you'll never succeed. Only God can fit in that God-shaped hole in your life. You may try and excuse God away. You may try to ignore him or replace him with some other sort of divine concept, but you know, and everyone knows, that there is a God. But you know, once you head down that road of godlessness and wickedness by your own free will and choosing, your hearts and your minds become darkened, and then everything wicked and foggy and dark will follow just as we read. Verse 21, again, I'm going to say it, for although they knew God, they knew there was a God, they neither glorified Him nor gave Him thanks. They just ignored Him. And then their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Now, we can look at this list in Romans and hardly agree that we're in a dark and foggy time. And then we can just hide away in a cave like Rudolph started out doing in the story, if you saw the animated special. We can just hide away in a cave. We can avoid the ridicule and the opposition. And we can just wait until Jesus returns to make things right. And then we can do nothing about this foggy darkness in our world today. But let me remind you of this one little thing. We have a light inside of us. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. We're not going to hide it under a bushel. We're not going to hide away in a cave. We have the light of Christ in us, church, and it's time to shine the light of Christ out from us in this dark and foggy world. You see, Jesus is the light of the world. Isaiah the prophet wrote about Jesus in Isaiah 9-2. It says this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Jesus is that great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. His name is Jesus. Jesus quoted this same passage in reference to himself in Matthew chapter 4. Read it. He was in fact saying, I am the light that was described by Isaiah that is now here to shine on the darkness of this foggy, darkened world. The light of Christ has come. John 1, verses 4 and 5, says this about Jesus. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And I love this part. And the darkness has not overcome it. And the darkness never will overcome it. The darkness will never overcome the light of Christ. Amen? Amen. Jesus actually said about himself in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. He says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Hallelujah. And since we have Jesus in us, church, his light shines out from us, church, and his light will never ever be overtaken by Satan's darkness. Jesus has won, and his light will remain in no matter what darkness tries to overcome it. Amen? Amen. Now, Rudolph had, a, Rudolph had a light in him. 
that shone through that foggy darkness. He saved the day. His bright, shiny nose was at once a gift and a responsibility to use for a specific purpose, to shine the way in the foggy darkness to help Santa successfully deliver his gifts. You know, Rudolph wasn't afraid. Rudolph was not intimidated. Rudolph didn't hide in his cave. Rudolph didn't let the naysayers stop him. Rudolph didn't shrink back from the invitation or the responsibility. He was made for such a time as this. Rudolph led the way to deliver free, unearned gifts to everyone around the world. Do you see the correlation? And we too are made for such a time as this, church. You are made for such a time as this. You and I are in this final generation, I believe, before the return of Christ. We are strategically birthed in this generation to be the terminal generation that will proclaim the last and final great word that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. In this darkest of dark times, the light of Christ is in us to shine in this final generation. And it's our joy to deliver the free honor and gift of the good news of salvation to everyone everywhere it's our invitation to accept but it's also our responsibility to live out daily and as the angel proclaimed to the shepherds in Luke 2 11, I proclaim and we proclaim today it's good news of great joy which shall be for all people for unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior, the light of the world, who is Christ the Lord. That's some good news of great joy, amen? So we must not remain silent. Mordecai said to Queen Esther in Esther 4.14, If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows? but that you've come to your royal position for such a time as this. Church, you've come to your royal position as king's kids for such a time as this. It's time for us to not wait for somebody else to do what we have been assigned and called and required to do. It's our joy, our privilege, and our responsibility to shine the light of Christ. Read that story of Esther on your own time. It's a great story. But you know, Rudolph, not real. But he was strategically placed in this story in his generation to save Christmas. Queen Esther, very real. She was strategically placed in her generation to save the Jews from extinction. And just as Rudolph and Esther were placed in their time, so too are we strategically placed in our generation to shine the light of Jesus brightly to a world that's living in foggy darkness that Jesus might save them from their sins and give them eternal life. How many is thankful for eternal life today? How many is thankful that your sins are forgiven? Amen? Oh, don't you know there's people out there that need to do that same thing? Oh, I want to be saved. I need to be saved. I need my sins forgiven. I want to live eternally with Jesus. The light of Christ in us shines out. The word of Christ speaks out. And people can be saved as we are thankful. Let's let others be thankful as well as we share Christ. Amen? Here's the thing. At the end of the uh, Rudolph story, 
there was a successful celebration. Oh, I love a happy ending. I love it that Rudolph was successful. You know, it just wasn't that Rudolph tried his best, but nah, he failed and he was all the more ostracized. Nah, man, his bright nose shone the way through that foggy night. And every child was able to experience the joys of Christmas. And you came back, Rudolph. You came back to a great big celebration, buddy. Give me a high poof five. Good job, man. And the people that had shunned him and ostracized him and rejected him because he was so unusual, man, they embraced him, didn't they? And it was a big old party. Celebration. We, have the, we as the church have a similar task before us, by the way. The church, you, 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 all of us here today, not just the big C church, because it's easy to get lost in that great big amalgamation, that big body of Christ and say, well, somebody else is going to do it. But you, you are the church as if you were the only one that was the church. That's the responsibility that we take upon ourselves. We, as the church, are the vehicle that Jesus has chosen to take this free gift of salvation to a foggy, darkened world. Did you know that? It's not just the pastors. It's not just the evangelists. It's not just the missionaries. It's not just the leaders of the church, those, you know, that are kind of qualified. We're all qualified because all of us have the light of Christ in us. We have the light of Jesus shining before us to lift the fog of deception and to pierce the darkness of man's souls. And we have the greatest gift the world has ever known. It's an unearned free gift. Just like Santa's gifts to the children. And one day, there's going to be a great multitude from every tribe, from every nation, from every race, gathered around the throne of God and celebrating and worshiping the success of the delivered free gifts of salvation to those all over the world. Listen to this in Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10. This is all of us in not too far distant of a future coming up. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. Oh, I love that. No one can count them. That means there were more than we can ever imagine. From every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language. Oh, heaven's going to be a wonderful, colorful place. Full of all sorts of wonderful flavors of cultures. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And they were wearing white robes, which represents clean salvation. Our sins have been washed clean. White robes of salvation. And they were holding palm branches in their hand. Hosanna. They were worshiping him. And they were crying out uh, in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You better get used to it because that's what we're all going to be saying one day. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Say that with me. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. As if Jesus were standing here right now. Let's say it again. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto to the Lamb. Oh, that's going to be a great celebration, won't it? I plan on being part of that multitude. How about you? How about you? And I also plan to do what I can and have as many people join me as possible because the more the merrier. Christmas. 
So let's let the gift of salvation, let's let the good news, this free gift, the finished work of Jesus Christ, be what we deliver this Christmas, and really all year round, to a foggy and darkened world. I want to leave you with this. St. Francis of Assisi said these words. It's a prayer. It's a great prayer that I think we all could say amen to and live out. He says, Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand and as be loved as rather to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we're pardoned. And it is in dying that we're born to eternal life. Amen? In a world of foggy darkness, as Rudolph did on that foggy Christmas Eve, let's let the light of Christ shine brightly out from us. Would you stand with me this morning? Father God, we thank you today for these really sweet stories that are part of Christmas like Rudolph. This precious little set-apart reindeer with a shiny red nose that didn't know what his purpose was, but discovered it one foggy Christmas Eve. Lord, I pray that today, that we maybe that are trying to figure out why are we here, that the revelation of the call that's on our life, the light that is inside of us, would come to the forefront of our understanding. And that, Lord Jesus, that we would realize that we're in the same privileged place of responsibility to shine the light of Christ brightly for the world to see. Lord, we are a peculiar people. We are set apart for a particular person, that's you, for a particular purpose, and that's to share the good news, the free gift of salvation. Lord, help us. Oh, God, help us to let the light of Christ shine brightly from us. Lord, let this little light of ours, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, that we wouldn't cower in a cave, that we wouldn't be intimidated, that we wouldn't be shut down or shut up, that we would proclaim the light of the, the good news of Jesus Christ by shining the light that cannot be overcome by the darkness. Everywhere, Lord Jesus, we shine the light. Your word says that it will overcome the darkness. So, Father, as we plant and water, as we shine that light, that you'll overcome the darkness. It's not by our works, but by yours. But we simply open up our mouths and are the mouthpiece of the light of Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, the free gift of salvation. Lord, we truly are living in a dark and foggy time. There's a lot of darkness going on in our world today. We work with them. We go to school with them. We live next to them. We see them every day. Father God, that we wouldn't cloak that light, but that we would figure out how we can let it shine out brightly from us so that we can shine the hope that we have in Jesus on their darkened hearts and that that darkness 
that they're living in that causes them to act out in ways that we read about in Romans chapter 1 will be reversed, Lord God. That they will acknowledge you. That they'll see the light of Christ in us. That, they'll, that the, the Holy Spirit will speak to their hearts in such a way where they'll understand it. And they'll receive the good news. The free gift of salvation. And that their courses will be reversed, Lord Jesus. And that they'll live a life for you. That they'll live a life honoring you, loving you, pleasing you, serving you. That they'll fulfill their destinies, Lord God, that you have assigned for them. Lord, it all starts with the light of Christ shining brightly through us. Through this dark and foggy world. Filled with sin and wickedness. But yet, Jesus, your holiness, your righteousness, your power, you are greater in us than he that's in the world. So, Father God, that we would not let the darkness overwhelm us and that we wouldn't cower down and think there's nothing we can do. There's absolutely everything we can do. Because, Christ, you're stronger in us, you're greater in us than any opposition that the world would try to come at us. Father, we thank you today. As we, as we plant water, you bring the increases. We shine the light of Christ, Lord God, that, that, that you'll radiate out from us. That we would share the free gift of salvation this Christmas season and all year long. So that one day we can look forward to a successful celebration. With countless saints around the throne. As a result of us walking in obedience to our calling, our joy, our responsibility, our privilege. Of representing you well, Jesus, to those around us. Lord, we thank you for this sweet story of Rudolph that reminds us of our light that we have in us. So, Lord, every time we hear the song from now on, every time we see it, the program or reminded of the story, Holy Spirit, won't you remind us that, yeah, you're the Rudolph to your generation. Let us also be that shining light of Christ in our darkened world. So that we can get that wonderful, free, unearned gift of salvation to those that are living in darkness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. With every eye closed and head bowed, maybe today you're here visiting and you're thinking, wow, I, I, I never thought about it this way. And I am kind of, as you read that scripture in Romans chapter 1, there's a couple of things there that I'm kind of living out. I'm not really happy about it. And I feel like I'm kind of being overtaken by darkness, but I don't want that. I want the light of Christ to shine brightly in me as well and out from me. Well, if that's you this morning, and maybe you're watching this from home as well, I don't know wherever you're watching this from, but listen, you're never so far gone. You're never so deep in darkness. You're never so deep in a pit that Jesus can't rescue you, that his light can't shine on your darkness and, and, and show you the path to him and that's happening actually right now the light of Christ is shining on your path of where you are and that path leads you from where you are to the foot of the cross if you'll simply take a step or two towards him and bow your knee bow your heart yield to him your life open up the door of your heart and receive him in as your Lord and Savior he can shine his holy light on your darkness he can take your wickedness and make things holy. He can sanctify you. He can redeem you. He can move you to be more like Jesus in everything you say and do and think. Oh, he can reverse the direction, the course that you're headed and bring you to a place of his great um, destiny for your life. You want that? You know, the direction that you're going is not great. I know it's not. 
And actually the direction that you're going will lead you to death. It will lead you to destruction. It may feel kind of comfortable and kind of cool right now. It may, I don't know. But don't let it fool you. Satan loves to candy coat those poison pills. Well, it tastes good going down, but it's bitter in your stomach and it'll kill you. Reject those things that the world has. Reject those things that Satan has for you. And embrace the things that God has for you, starting with the free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and everybody in this place, if that's resonating in your heart, and say, yeah, Pastor, I, I want to ask Jesus in my heart today. Just lift up your hand and put it right back down and we'll pray together a prayer. Anybody at all? At home as well, if you'll just lift up your hand. Nobody may be watching and that's fine. No one may even be there. But the Lord sees that hand and he sees your heart. Just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Jesus, I need you. Anybody in this place at all? Would you all pray this prayer out loud whether you raised your hand or not? And let's just ask Jesus to come into our heart today. Jesus, I thank you that you died for my sins. I'm walking in darkness and I'm tired of it. I want the light of Christ to come into my dark heart. Won't you, Jesus, forgive me of my sins? Come live in my heart and be the Lord of my life. I confess my sins to you and I thank you that I am now a new creation. I am now born again. I'm all those things of old that are past. Yeah, and all things are now new in you. So Jesus, I thank you that I'm now saved. And I ask you, by your spirit to lead me in your light from this day on and I praise you for it in Jesus name Amen